1: There are rare occasions when a mother may have done everything she can to prepare to have a successful breastfeeding relationship with her baby, but something causes unavoidable challenges. When plans A, B, and C don't improve the breastfeeding situation, what are plans D, E, F, and maybe G. I'm Rose Davina-Jakowicz, an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant and Lactation Consultant at Kaiser Permanente Outpatient Lactation Clinic in San Diego, California. Today, we are discussing options for when breastfeeding doesn't go as planned. This is The Boob Group, Episode 26.
2: Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also a certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. At The Boob Group, we're your online support group for all things related to breastfeeding. Have you checked out our fabulous articles on our blog yet? we have several moms who have offered to blog about their breastfeeding experiences for the boob group and I was completely blown away by their stories. If you are interested in sharing your breastfeeding stories feel free to contact me through the link on our boob group website. Today I'm joined by three lovely panelists in the studio ladies would you please introduce yourselves. Hello Robin my name is Tamar Blanco I'm
3: 34 and I'm for work I work at the housing commission and I am the mother of two children, ages six and two months old.
4: Hi, I'm Michelle Reed. I'm 31. Um, I'm a wife and a mother. That's kind of my job. <laughs> and I have Those five important
2: th- jobs. Yes.
4: <laughs> and I have five children.
2: Well, how old are your children?
4: I'm an 11 year old, 9 year old, 7 year old, 4 year old,
5: and seven weeks.
2: Nice. Thank you.
5: Hi, I'm Heidi Rungi. I'm 33. I'm a paralegal. I have one um, child, and he's nine months old.
2: Before we get started with today's topic, here's a question you all had for one of our experts.
0: Hi, Boob Group. My name is Karen, and I'm calling from Santa Clara, California. And I have a question about my four-month-old. I recently noticed that her poop has changed color. It's sort of a green color, and it smells different. And I've always heard that if the poop was green, that that's possibly a bad thing or that she has a cold. But she seems happy all the time and there really isn't any issue. So I'm just wondering if it's a change in the fact that she's four months or if there is something that I should be concerned about. Please let me know. Thank you. Hi, this is Dr. Johnson. Having green stools isn't necessarily a sign of infection or a problem. Uh, certainly it can be related to uh, what the child has eaten, although at four months that's usually pretty limited. But colors you should worry about with your poop are red, black, or almost white. Those are more telling signs of a problem. So as far as the green stools, I wouldn't worry a bit. Uh, Keep feeding her. And uh, if she's already started in any salads, that can certainly affect the color of her stools and the uh, aroma of them, too. So Hope that answered your question. And if you have any more, let us know. Bye bye.
2: If you have a question about one of our topics mentioned on our shows, call the Boob Group Hotline at 619 866 4775.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
2: Today on the Boob Group, we're discussing what a mom can do when breastfeeding doesn't go as planned. Our returning expert, Rose Davinia-Jackowitz, has been an international board-certified lactation consultant since 1984 and is a lactation consultant at the Outpatient Lactation Clinic at Kaiser Permanente San Diego, which just celebrated their 10-year anniversary, correct? Actually, 12 years. Oh, 12 years. My goodness. 12 years. That's fantastic. So thanks for joining us, Rose, and welcome back to the show. Well, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. (laughs) So, Rose, what can a pregnant mom do to set herself up for optimal breastfeeding success?
1: Well, actually, there's many things she can do. One of the first things, I think, is finding good books to read on breastfeeding. But above and beyond that is when you go in for your prenatal visits with your OB. Make sure that a thorough breast exam is done. To identify any potential issues with your breasts, your nipples, uh, potential issues with previous breast surgery, Um, also I think uh, prenatal breastfeeding classes, as well as uh, a prenatal consult. If you have concerns that maybe something might not be right, go in for a prenatal consult with a lactation consultant, and you can get a lot of information that way.
2: Absolutely. It's interesting that you mentioned, talk to your um, health care provider prenatally about your breasts. We just had an episode a couple of weeks ago about insufficient glandular tissue. And the women said that the only reason they found out that they had it was after they had their baby, but they always kind of knew that there might be some, an issue, but it was never brought up by their OBGYN. Um, I don't know if any of them had seen midwives. I can't remember, but um, it's an interesting thing that you mentioned that it could be something to talk about before you've had
1: your baby. I think over the years, I've had women who've said, um, well, yeah, they looked at my breast, but nobody ever said anything. Nobody ever addressed my inverted nipples, other than the fact my favorite was a woman who had inverted nipples and her doctor said, don't worry, when your baby's born, they'll they'll pop out. Well, <laughs> like they're done,
2: like on a yes. chicken. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> And you <laughs> to say, they didn't pop out. Yeah, so.
2: yeah. Ladies, did you do anything prenatally to prepare for breastfeeding? I had taken
3: a breastfeeding class with my six-year-old daughter uh, before she was born. But this time, I just didn't get around to it. I just thought it was going to happen. And I thought, well, I had problems the first time, but this time, it'll be different. So I was a little naive.
2: <laughs> well, no, not necessarily. Are you <laughs> hopeful. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> um, thank you, Tamar. How about you, Michelle?
4: Um, I read lots of books. Anything that I could get my hands on inside the doctor's office, I'd grab things. And I also found it very helpful that in magazines when you'd see pictures of mothers breastfeeding, I surrounded myself with pictures of moms already breastfeeding just to give myself a positive outlook like it's been done, it can be done, I can do it.
2: That's so I've never heard of that idea, but I love it. That's wonderful, and another reason also to attend a breastfeeding support group while you're pregnant too, just to surround your women, surround yourself with other breastfeeding moms. Um, how about you, Heidi?
5: Um, I also attended a, I guess, prenatal class on breastfeeding. Um, I had books. I started books. I didn't necessarily finish books, <laughs> <laughs> which may have been part of the problem. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Rose, what are, what are the signs that a mom should look for to indicate that there are some breastfeeding challenges going on
1: because sometimes they're not so obvious? And that's a very good question. Some of them, things like, um, for example, history of infertility depending on the reason for infertility sometimes you may have a low milk supply based on the type of infertility like PCOS which is polycystic ovarian syndrome which is a very probably the most common cause of infertility uh, probably 50% of those women are known to have a low milk supply so knowing that up front uh, breast surgery, what type of breast surgery augmentation, reduction um, inverted nipples, knowing those things as well Uh, Another example is type 1 diabetes. Many moms do not realize or or they're not told that um, it's common to have a delayed onset of milk supply when you have type 1 diabetes. So knowing that up front, you're not so surprised to find out that your baby may have to have a supplement uh, because of low blood sugar or because your milk supply doesn't fully come in until five, six, seven days.
2: Absolutely. And
1: what assistance is typically available
2: in the hospital or once the mom is back at home?
1: In the hospital, there should be a lactation consultant uh, that is available to assess you, and she will go through your history, asking you questions such as, any problems getting pregnant? Did your breasts get bigger during pregnancy? Any history of breast surgery? Uh, Any medical problems? Um, Allergies, things like that, uh, to fully assess, are you at risk for having breastfeeding problems or milk supply issues? And then if you are identified as having issues, maybe your baby's born early um, and your milk supply hasn't fully come in by the time you go home, Hopefully, there is a lactation clinic or a lactation consultant, like Robin, <laughs> that you can go to see after going home from the hospital. Most moms uh, and babies are seeing their pediatrician within 24 to 48 hours of going home from the hospital. should almost be the same for lactation if you are identified as having what I call risk factors.
2: Absolutely. Ladies, when did you first know that you needed some extra breastfeeding assistance, some additional support?
3: Well, um... My baby was four days old and in the hospital they said that he had lost already more than eight percent and that was really scary for me. So um they just automatically assigned a lactation nurse to me and she was able to come by and assess the problem um and how I could solve the problem with spoon feeding and by pumping and so that was a that was a very good help.
2: That's fantastic, Tamar. Thank you. Um how about you, Michelle? Uh,
3: Day three, when we had to go back for the well
4: baby check, um, she had already lost way too much, and they kept having us come back every three days or so, and they checked her sock, and she was tongue-tied, so she had to go in for that. Like, we went in on day three, and on day four, she was clipped. Wow. So then we kept coming back to the lactation specialist. Um, we were at the hospital a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Were you going back for weight checks at the hospital? Or yes. Back, back, okay. Yeah. How about you, Heidi?
5: Um, day three, um, we had a doctor's appointment, and that was a Friday, and um, he had lost, I believe, over 10% of his weight. He was born at eight pounds, nine ounces, eight one when he discharged the hospital, and then seven, ten on day three, which is quite a bit. So um, my milk still hadn't, still hadn't come in, and so we knew there was an issue, so he had suggested supplementing um, But then, of course, it was the weekend, and I had a meltdown, and I called you. (laughs) 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 And day six, um, I got help. (laughs) Yeah. So,
2: Rose. Um, and just to clarify, too, because, you know, we're talking about lactation educators and specialists in the hospital. And um, what is the difference between a lactation educator, a La Leche League leader, and an international board certified lactation consultant?
1: A lactation educator is could be a childbirth educator, could be your postpartum nurse, uh, is somebody who's taken a course on basic management of breastfeeding. They can help you with positioning and latch and your common problems of minor sore nipples, uh, engorgement. A La League leader is just, by history, has been a lay, lay consultant, a lay person who has knowledge of, of helping you with breastfeeding. And some of the La League leaders are, oh my gosh, wonderful. They've been doing it so long that uh, some of them have more experience than I do. Okay, it's just they're more of a grassroots. um, You know, I've been doing this for 30 years and I've been helping moms. An International Board Certified Lactation Consultant is somebody who has um, sit for an exam. It's an all-day exam, a very intense exam that tests um, her skills uh, for lactation. But uh, the other thing about the International Board Certified Lactation Consultant is they're specialized in your more complicated cases for breastfeeding. They go beyond your normal sore nipples, beyond your engorgement. They specialize in in the problem-oriented situations.
2: So what should a mom expect when working with someone with those three different types of
1: qualifications? Well first of all asking you know asking them what their you know experience is. Um, And if it's a lactation educator um, and you're having major problems you might ask for a referral. To a a board-certified lactation consultant um, asking her have you worked with this kind of a problem before and um, if she hasn't hopefully she'll you know be open and say you know what I'm not as experienced in this and let me refer you but again the lactation educator is more for basic common problems um, as well as a Lalechi League leader, and then the IBCLC is much more problem oriented and generally has a lot more experience in dealing with the complicated cases.
2: Okay. Um, And then kind of getting into those complicated cases now. So when dealing with a low milk supply, um, what options does a mom have to increase her supply and what should she feed her baby until her supply increases? And I realize this is an own topic in itself, but just kind of a, a basic overall
1: it's definitely a topic in itself. And how long do we
0: have to talk? <laughs> <laughs> and
1: again, as an uh, international board certified lactation consultant, it kind of depends on why the milk supply is low. There's various herbs. There's various medications that can be taken, but it's going to depend on the individual mom's history, what she is allergic to, what she's you know what she's capable of taking. But um, you know, she the first thing that moms would typically need to do is additional pumping. A uh, hospital-grade pump is is my preference because it's designed to help establish a milk supply and then adding either herbs or medications, depending on the individual situation. And uh, as far as um, what to feed the baby in the meantime, um, whatever milk you get, absolutely feed them. Any amount of breast milk is going to benefit the baby. And uh, the World Health Organization says number two choice should be donor milk. Uh, and we've had more moms that have had sisters, best friends that have donated milk. There's um, issues with making sure their their health is 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 good because you're you know taking other somebody else's milk. And donor milk isn't always available. Uh, the donor milk banks it's about three dollars an ounce, yeah. um, and that's really reserved more for preemies or your very sick babies. But that is still an option. Um and then the final option is uh, artificial baby milk or formula. And again, depending on family history, milk allergies and things like that, you might need to uh pick the one that's best um and most appropriate for the baby, and you may need to supplement with a little bit of that until your full milk supply increases. And and that's okay. That's okay to do. A lot of moms feel like they're failing if they have to use formula. Um, and I don't want them to feel that way. We've got a special situation here and we want to feed our babies. First, first thing and foremost is feed the baby and uh, work on your milk supply as we're feeding the baby. Absolutely. Um, and so Heidi and
2: Tamara, I know that you both kind of dealt with different um, milk supply issues. And so Heidi, how, how did you deal with the situation with your son?
5: yeah um, we started off uh, after a consultation um, we had um, my husband help and we did the finger feeding with either milk that I had pumped um, if we weren't able to get him to latch because we had latching problems in addition to um, low supply so we did finger feeding um, we did um, uh, some supplemental nursing were with the kind of tube and everything Um, and then we did eventually when he was about three weeks old um, use a low flow bottle to also give him either pumped milk and or formula um, so it's kind of a combination of those things I also was taking um, some supplements also to try to increase my milk supply as well so it was kind of several things yeah. <laughs> we tried everything Yeah. how about you tomorrow?
3: well one of the things that really devastated me was um, at two weeks his weight had still not gone up, and so I immediately saw a lactation consultant, and she gave me some great tips, pumping and uh, using a low-flow bottle, um, uh, using the hospital-grade pump, pumping every two to three hours, and she also recommended some um, herbs that I could take. Well, a week later, I really hadn't improved, and so that was just very, very stressful and very, um, it was just discouraging. So uh, when she took a second look at me, she said that it looked like I might have insufficient glandular tissue, that I may be, um, I may have hypoplasia. So that was something new for me. Uh, My daughter, I was unable to breastfeed her. I was able to pump five ounces for about seven months and I couldn't understand why that was happening so when she told me about the hypoplasia then it all made sense I went on the internet and looked up as much information as I could but that was the problem there wasn't that much information and I was astounded at how many medical professionals had never mentioned this to me um, and house uh, there were um, many lactation specialists that didn't even really know about this um, IGT so the way it was explained to me is breastfeeding with IGT is like trying to produce milk without the milk factory. Mm-hmm. So it made perfect sense and I knew at that point if I really wanted to make it happen I had to try everything. And so that's when I met E. Robin <laughs> a few weeks later I, I asked, uh, you. you were great, you came over and so between what you mentioned to me and the other lactation consultant mentioned to me I tried everything from acupuncture to the chiropractor actually taking my baby to a chiropractor to help with latching Uh, we even tried um, you know medication and supplements and i i think besides trying everything i think what really helped was the support of my spouse and really surrounding myself with people that were going to be supportive and although people um, meant well. They didn't understand, may not have understood what I was going through. So when they would tell me, it's okay, you can just bottle feed. That was probably the worst thing that they could have told me because it was defeating the purpose. So I would say just surrounding yourself with positive people and just trying everything because you just never know what's going to work. And um, I, could, I could say that you know, nine weeks later, I'm ne- now successfully breastfeeding my baby. So I'm really happy about that.
2: Absolutely. So Rose, um, when dealing with a baby who has latching difficulties, then which you know it's is a whole different beast than uh, you know milk supply. Um, what options does a mom have to feed her baby and protect her milk supply while the latch issues are being resolved?
1: Well, again, hopefully she's working with a lactation specialist who has knowledge in this. But uh, um, there's various options in helping the baby to learn to latch. But if the baby actually is not latching, the important part will be for you to be using a pump an effective pump that uh, is stimulating your breast to establish the milk supply, and you're feeding your baby. Feeding your baby either by bottle, by finger feeding, um, and that's where the lactation consultant will sit down with you and go, these are the options that you can have for feeding your baby. You get to decide what those options are and what is gonna work well for you. For some, the feeding tube does not work on the finger. Uh, The feeding tube doesn't work at the breast unless baby's able to latch. Sure. So it's kind of frustrating when moms are taught how to use the the tube at the breast if the baby's not latching on. Um, And so uh, finding out what the various options are, but basically it's establishing your milk supply by pumping, feeding your baby, giving your baby time to learn. And some babies just take a little more time to catch on than others.
2: Yeah. Michelle, um, I know that you've been working on some some latch challenges with your baby right now. And so what have you done to kind of work on resolving these, um, these latching challenges?
4: The first thing that I knew I had to do was to increase my milk supply. So I pump around the clock. Um, in the evening, I follow her schedule. But whatever she's doing throughout the day is what I'm doing. Every two to three hours, um, I'm pumping. Um, I made sure, like, I have to give her her bottle through, I have to give her a bottle, um, and if she, if I notice she has some cues and she's calm, if I can latch her, I latch her, um, it's never for very long, or, but just that I I can still bring her back to the breast is encouraging, that's the only thing that keeps me going, um, hoping that maybe we can continue doing that.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, I, I recommend that often as well, Rose, would you say this kind of almost non-nutritive sucking sometimes where the baby gets on, and they're just falling back in love with the breast. And so it may not be that she's getting all of her nutrition from it at this point. Well, she is, but just not directly from the tap, essentially. <laughs> but, um, but that, you know, having the baby spend time skin to skin and at the breast and um, just trying and trying and trying can be really beneficial.
1: Oh, absolutely. I've, I refer to it as comfort nursing.
2: Yeah, oh, and, I like that. You know,
1: if the baby is willing to, to just comfort nurse at the breast in place of a pacifier, it's a great way to transition them back to the breast for them to realize, hey, this is a nice place to be. And as they get better at nursing or as the milk supply increases, they're kind of just getting better at it. But yes, absolutely. Well, great. Well, when we
2: get back, Rose will discuss what to do when plans A, B, and C aren't working uh, to solve the breastfeeding situation. So we'll be right back. Look, Bumble knows you're
3: exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
2: And we're back. Um, so, Rose, what is a mom to do when these initial breastfeeding plans don't work? And for some reason, these breastfeeding challenges are being are are difficult to resolve. Um, essentially, when plans A, B, and C haven't worked, um, what can plans D, E, F, and G be? And what's
1: uh, what's the most important thing to keep into perspective? The most important thing I think to keep in perspective again is again. Th- it takes time for some of these babies, and to be patient, feed the baby. And, again, you're working with a specialist who is giving you options on, on how to feed your baby and how to help the baby get to that plan A. Plan A is we're going to feed the baby at the breast. Plan B may be some breastfeeding, but we have to supplement. Plan C, you know, so it gets all the way down to, okay, I'm just pumping and feeding. Um, how long does it take? It varies from baby to to baby and and I've seen more babies over the last few years that for some reason seem to take anywhere from four to six seven eight weeks to just to really click and um, just realizing that it's not you in many situations because as a new mom we think it's us what am I not doing when sometimes it's a baby who hasn't learned to suck correctly a baby who hasn't learned to um, bring his tongue forward a premature baby who needs time to mature But uh, again, our number one goal is feed the baby and protect the milk supply, increase that milk supply, and then just be patient um, with yourself and with your baby. And I
2: I get this question a lot, um, especially for moms who are working to increase their milk supply, but is there an answer to how much breast milk does a baby need per day for it to truly make a difference in his health, his or her health and nutrition?
1: I get this question also (laughs) frequently and um, any amount of breast milk is absolutely going to benefit the baby. It can be one bottle a day. When I weaned my last daughter, um, she had only been nursing, and she was a little older too, but she'd only been nursing once a day, maybe twice if she fell and got hurt. Within three months, we tripled her ear infections. So one feeding a day, one bottle a day, one ounce, any amount of breast milk if you're into chemistry or biology you can go and look at the millions of properties infection fighting properties and cells that are in one ounce of breast milk and you're gonna go whoa one ounce will benefit my baby so don't let anybody say it has to be 50 percent or whatever and again it also goes back to you and your husband what is gonna work well for you recently somebody said you know if it's only 10 percent of his intake is it worth it well From a medical perspective, absolutely. But from your perspective, you're doing a lot of work. Is it worth it for you? And that's where I frequently sit back and ask moms, tell me what your goal is. Tell me what you want to do. We've been doing this and this and this. Tell me how you're feeling now. My job is to help make it work for you. Okay. Thank you so much.
2: Um, Heidi, kind of getting into, or or I guess for everyone, and then we'll we'll ask Heidi, but just, you know, kind of looking at, so these challenges, there were lots of different stages of them and kind of finally hitting your stride. So Heidi, what did you say, what would you say your final plan looked like when you had hit your stride um, with breastfeeding and bottle feeding and all that kind of stuff?
5: Um, I think it all began when um, part of the plan was me just accepting what I could do and just coming to terms with okay i'm never going to be the one that's going to have an oversupply i'm not going to have 100 ounces of frozen Mm -hmm. breast milk in my freezer um that's not in the cards that were dealt to me um i have to just do the best with what i have and um so i guess at the peak of mine (laughs) was um asher was latching he would latch you know I don't know. Maybe one side, one day, one side the other, sometimes both sides. Um and I would pump and I would give him um anywhere from 4 to 6 ounces a day. Um which was really good and um so I gave him basically he got one less bottle of formula a day. Um which In the grand scheme of things, a lot of people may not think is a lot, but like you said, it's something, and that was one less, you know, bottle of formula that he had, and it was a lot of nutrients, and it was what I could give him. But a lot of it was just me not stressing out over what I could do, could not do, and just, and I think that that helped me enjoy breastfeeding a lot more, too, is just coming to terms and, um, you know, letting the relationship be what it was and just accepting it Um, so yeah it just was really accepting that and then you know pumping and then having him latch whenever I could get him to latch and we definitely did um, the comfort nursing like you said whenever I could like I know a lot of People say or would say, you know, don't let them for sleeping wise, just like, you know, sit at the breast. And I'm like, you know what? (laughs) If that's what I get, then I'm going to take it (laughs) and I'm going to run with it. Because, I mean, for me, that was like one of the most special times and like bonding times since like I didn't feel like I got that as much at the beginning. Yeah,
2: I find those are the hardest ones to wean from at the end, too, because the, the first of the morning. The right after the nap or right before mm-hmm. the nap and r- right before bed because that's the quiet space that yeah. you're in with your children and so even if it is it when it is comfort nursing it's still it's so beneficial for both mom and baby so yeah
1: yeah absolutely if you think about it mother's breasts are nature's pacifiers pacifiers weren't around <laughs> <laughs> how long ago mother's breasts have been babies comfort nursing forever And if that's what is working, then that is the best thing. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Tamar, going back to kind of what you had described, um, how long did it take you to finally build this full milk supply for your son? Nine very long weeks. (laughs) I went through...
3: um, I went through a lot of emotions and there was a point where in the beginning I felt, uh, like I failed, like I went through what you, you would call the five stages of grief. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I thought that there was a real possibility that I may not have that exclusive breastfeeding, um, relationship. I, I didn't with my daughter, I was happy and proud of everything I gave to her that one bottle per day for the seven months. But it was, um, it was like reliving those emotions all over again, and I I read this on the internet um a mom said that like all nursing moms a mom needs to define for herself what a successful nursing relationship is going to be this may mean I will give my baby as much as I can and I will rejoice in my ability to give it so I read that and that inspired me and I thought um I'm just going to keep going until I can I can give my baby whatever I can give my baby I'm going to give it to my baby.
2: That's a, that's a wonderful quote.
3: It's
1: beautiful. Yeah, yes, absolutely. it is.
2: Um, and then, Michelle, I know that your your baby is quite young still, and so you're definitely in this process of figuring out what's your stride, essentially. So where are you at now, and what are you working towards? Um,
4: I was very excited to come today because this is part of my plan and part mm-hmm. of just being here today is super helpful in what I want everything to look like. Um, Right now, I'm still, she's a little bit older, so she's able to latch. It shouldn't be so much an anatomy issue as it was in the very beginning. Um, So I'm hoping to get back to the breast right now. I'm just pumping and giving it to her in a bottle and comfort nursing when possible, which I can go days without doing that. And then all of a sudden she'll surprise me. And like she showed a cue, she was sucking on my arm and I just put her to breast because I figured if she can suck on my arm then she will do this and she did so Mm -hmm. and it wasn't very long it was very short amount of time but she was happy it wasn't fighting her Mm -hmm. it was joyful for me because I wasn't I get nervous and stressful and tense when she's screaming and I'm trying to latch her and that wasn't working but doing it just you know hopefully I am trying I really would like to have some sort of maybe more than five minutes of nursing (laughs)
2: <laughs> Absolutely, and ladies, how how important was it for you to set short term goals um, rather than just long term? I want to exclusively breastfeed, um, but kind of having these defining moments of okay, I got here.
5: Now, what we what do we do next? Um, Heidi, um, I think that that's the only thing that kept me going, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, um, because I went into breastfeeding and like went into you know before giving birth, just being like, oh, okay, I did the class, I read a couple books, or part of a couple books. <laughs> <laughs> um, this will be, you know, everyone said it's easy, it's natural, you know, and then I, you know, the, my world shattered and everything the, the ground fell out from underneath me. So um, I just had to keep going like, okay, Robin's coming Monday, it's Sunday morning, let's make it till Monday, <laughs> you know, and then it was okay, I've made it six days, let's make it to Friday. <laughs> you know, and then it was make it till next week and then it would vary too. He might be latching really good for a couple days and I'm like, "Okay, we're going great." And then you know, he stops and so I'm like, "You you hit another wall." You're like, "Okay. Let's not give up today. You just today is what it is. Let's keep going and let's see where we are in 2 days." And then it would be better. And then I'm like, "Okay, let's try to make it to 2 months. He'd make it to 2 months, 3 months, 4 months." Last time I was here, um, the week before was, like, horrible. (laughs) And I'm like, great. I'm like, I'm not even going to be breastfeeding at three months, you know. Um, But you just have to keep holding on and just get through the day and just know that some, as in life and everything, there's good days and bad days, and that's how it's going to be with breastfeeding too, with everything. Um, So you just have to keep holding on and just, you know, grin and bear it, really, and just try to work through it. And, And it usually happens where it does get better. Like you're going to be in like you're maybe in a lot of pain you may you know the whole all of that but it it gets better and you know you both are learning it's you're both learning you know so yeah I did four six next week you know <laughs> <laughs> next feeding you know yeah. but they, it was honestly the only thing that kept me going was it, were the so, short term goals yeah. okay. Mm-hmm.
2: How about you, tomorrow? I have to agree
3: with Heidi. It was, a str- it was a struggle whenever I would look at the big picture, and it was overwhelming to think, well, you have to completely breastfeed. So it was a small goals. Um, I'm going to pump um, every two to three hours today. And then the next day would be, okay, I'm going to pump, and then I'm going to excuse me, I'm going to drink this amount of liquid to help with my breastfeeding. So every day I'd have a a new goal. I didn't want to overwhelm myself. I know how um, easily stressed out I can be. And I just had a baby. So I I know those hormones are a little crazy sometimes. (laughs) So it was those small goals that made it those bite size goals that helped me to feel like I'm in control of the situation. I didn't want to feel out of control and I just knew that even an ounce like Rose says any any bit of breast milk that you can give your baby is a success. So that's how I looked at it and I I didn't want to I didn't want to overwhelm myself with too many goals so the smaller the goal the the easier it was to have a success.
2: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um how about you Michelle?
3: Um, a lot of what they're saying is
4: exactly how I felt. Um, I think one thing that really made me start looking at the shorter goals is I had mastitis that turned into an abscess and I had to have emergency surgery where my baby was taken from me for that night and I had to stay the night in the hospital. At that point, I had surgeons telling me not to pump my left side at all. And then once they seen the wound and they seen how engorged they are, they're like, you have to express it. It has to come out because this is going to get worse. So Once I had to do those things, then it was, I I felt like, you know what, I may not be able to breastfeed, but now I'm injured. And they were telling me a mom, an unhealthy mom is not a good mom. You need to be healthy for your children. So at that point, it really slowed me down. I didn't even look at the huge picture at that point. I just focused on healing. I need to heal and I need the milk out. So the baby's getting the milk because I have to get it out. But so I'm still on the right track. And my focus at that point was healthy baby, healthy mom. And that's what got me through that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rose, for your insight into this very complicated and emotional issue for breastfeeding moms. And thank you so much to our panelists for sharing your story and um, giving hope to so many other moms who are out there that they can make breastfeeding work for themselves. So thank you so much.
5: Step into the world of power, loyalty
2: So here's a comment from one of our listeners. Her name is Jean and she's from Riverdale Park, Maryland. Hi Boob Group. I just love your ongoing series about you following three new breastfeeding moms for the first year. I recently had my first baby and I've been listening to these episodes to get an idea of what to expect in the upcoming months. It's really nice to know that I'm not the only mom out there having issues. I recommend your show to the women in my breastfeeding support group all the time. Thanks for the great resource. And thanks so much Jean for writing this in. Thank you so much to our expert panelists and all of our listeners. If you have any questions about today's show or the topic we discussed, call our boob group hotline at 619-866-4775 and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a breastfeeding topic you'd like to suggest, we would love to hear it. Simply visit our website at theboobgroup.com and send us an email through our contact link or you may visit our Facebook or Twitter pages and uh, suggest it there as well. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group because mothers know breast. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only.
0: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW.
3: Void or prohibited by law.
4: See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.